We wanted a way that agents could hone their craft and be a part of a larger community, get the resources they need and information they need to know. We cover relevant topics in the industry that will help you close more sales. We talk to top producers and industry leaders to share knowledge and best practices from around the country. So if you want to make more sales, then listen up because we're dropping gold. Everybody already knows your name now, Ramiz. So I'm excited that you're on here with all the stuff you have going on. And I'm sure you're being asked by many, many people to go and do interviews and talk and talk shop. But uh, the agenda that I had is I wanted to really talk shop just as friends, just the way that we have been, the way that we do every time we see each other, and especially how we just how we started our whole relationship was out at 8% Nation at the, um, at the, the soup dinner, the insurance soup dinner. Um, which was a great environment. Those guys are awesome. And uh, and because of them, I got to have a lot of FaceTime with you and really just trade stuff. So I see people are seeing us. They must be able to hear us because people are saying hi. Um, so guys, if you can, hopefully audio wise, everything's good. Ramiz can hear me. I can hear him. So hopefully <laughs> you guys can hear us too. Um, we're going to get into the questions that you're asking. I know you had a lot of questions already that you guys were posting. So I will be asking him those questions. We're going to also uh, talk about just some of the things and get some clarification on some of the some of the juicier things that Ramiz posts about. I got to tell you, man, I love your I love posting style. Like you have your own style. I know you know it. You know, when you post, it's like it, it's normally long form, mm -hmm. but you also the way you put the dots in between your points, <laughs> you know, to, to separate your paragraphs like it, it's your style. And I love that. So, hey, thanks for coming on here, brother. Oh, man, it's my pleasure, uh, Eric. Thanks for having me, man. You've always been a good friend of mine. And uh, when you asked, you didn't even finish your sentence. And I was like, dude, whatever you need, bro. I'll be right there with you. <laughs> and you gave me full, full reign. You know, anytime someone has me, I always say, now, listen, I'm going to tell them how it is. What do you want me to stay away from? And many people coach me and say, you know, you shouldn't really talk about this. And I always respect that. You said, dude, it's a, it's a open open form whatever's on your mind i'm like oh we've got some fun today eric <laughs> oh and that's and that's that's you know i i i love i love my fmo friends my imo friends i love my agency friends and my agent friends uh, but but in all reality you know anyone who is part of the university here uh you're here for a specific reason you wanted to learn telesales or you wanted to learn how to get into the medicare niche and with the university you're getting both um I think because of COVID, I've I've created a little bit more of an emphasis for the final expense agents who have joined the group, just so that you guys understand that um, you know when it comes to telesales, I think that the structure of how things should be done is really similar uh, because I still think that when you in Medicare, for instance, it's a commodity product, right? And so many times you're selling on price, but guess what? Sometimes it's hard. And so what do you have to do in order to be able to get a sale? You have to create emotion, right? You have to create that emotional connection. You have to build the rapport. You have to find the commonalities and you have to, you have to build on that so you can get the sale. And if you guys have watched anything that Ramiz has been saying, oh my gosh, he has been echoing so much of that stuff and saying it. And I'm not going to say echoing like I said at first. I, I mean, you, you obviously have years of experience doing this, but it's not until recently that you're coming full front into the social media space and just becoming real loud about it because 
you're saying that there's just a lot of misinformation out there being put out there that are hurting agents and you just you got tired of it right and that's why you decided to create your group yes and it actually started i was scrolling on facebook and i'm pretty active on uh my personal facebook i mean i love my family i love my church i love uh, my company and and i and i started on facebook because i want to interact with my friends more often my employees more often um, and I was, I mean, you know, I, I was, I was doing it, but after the, the virus, I saw two ads as I was scrolling through my feed of people selling how to sell final expense over the phone. Both of those people whom I personally trained, both of whom were horrible on the phone. <laughs> and I'm like, no, 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 no. We can't do this. Like y'all ain't even that good. you know. <laughs> so and then it got louder and louder. And I talked to my partners and said, guys, I, I cannot just sit back and let people pretend like I know these people and we know these people and they, they're all hor horrible. Um, <laughs> so I'm like, I got to do something. So, you know, man, I started a, a page. It, it, it started on Monday. I mean, Sunday night is when the first day we really went live and we're just pumping out as much talent as we can, uh, as much uh, content as we can. That's also talented. Um, to help offset some of the misinformation that's out there from people who are trying to capitalize on the fears of agents. That's the whole purpose that I'm really coming out and being super loud on the insurance side. Cause I was probably a little loud just on the personal side. Like, Hey, I love people, you know, but now it's like, listen, we got to do something y'all. Cause this thing is not going to turn out good. If you don't listen, if you don't listen to what I'm telling you. And, and one of the things that I want to emphasize, so there's two things, a lot of the agents that are in this private group for, and because this private group that we're in right now is for those who are members of the university, but um, I would say the majority of them are actually already in your group as well. And, and if you're not, you need to go check out his group because they are dropping a lot of great uh, final expense heavy content on how to sell over the phone. Uh, your brother, Tony, just did a, an amazing training that was full of great information on how to get calls started, how to call on outbound leads, which there is a huge reality that, you know, you've said it yourself that inbound leads are probably the best leads you can get, right? Those are basically people who are picking up the phone based on your advertisement and they're calling you, which means they have a super high intent. But normally, and for most agents, it's been my experience. You can correct me if I'm wrong. I'm humble enough to say, hey, you're right. But my experience is that normally most agents won't be able to create the volume of inbound calls to be able to support themselves and to be able to keep writing enough business to pay their bills and grow um, in the beginning. Right. Do you agree with that or do you think that there is a way to where they can keep enough busy enough? Well, it depends on how much you believe in yourself, man. Like I, I think if, if there's a will, there's a way. So, number one, there's lead vendors that are out there that are on a bidding platform. So you go into these into these situations where you're bidding for inbounds up against other agents. And if you bid high enough and the lead comes in, you get that call and they can tell when you're on the phone. So they don't send you another call behind that. Uh, that's a, a, a simple way of creating inbounds. And then the other way is if you buy leads and you hire, and I, and I, and I talked about, I've been talking about this for years and I ain't even talked about it yet really loud, but we're going to get there. Um, hire somebody to call on your leads, much like people do face-to-face -face with appointment setters, have them call your leads, qualify, and then transfer to you. Those are the most inexpensive ways of doing that. Now, when you get into the much higher end stuff like television ads, uh, it's out of the 
the reign of an independent individual agent. But for inbounds and delivering inbounds, it's really not that difficult, man. You just got to you just gotta bet on yourself. And that's why I think the disconnect takes place. It's like, well, how do you spend a thousand bucks a week on leads? Well, you spend a thousand bucks a week by making 3000 bucks a week. Like the math works itself out. But too many yeah. people are just afraid of, no, 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 no. I can't spend that much on leads. It's like, well, I, just based on this conversation, you probably don't have money for most of your livelihood bills anyways. And so let's talk about that before we talk about making more money. Yeah, it's true. I mean, it goes back to the whole marketer's creed that when you look at whether something works or not, the, the metric is if I put $1 in and get $2 out, how do I scale? That's the game, right? So you're saying the same thing. You're like, if I spend a thousand on leads and I get 3000 back in sales, then the question is not, it's not to say, oh, I wish I made more. It's how do I scale that? You know, how do I end up getting $5,000 in leads so that I can then, you know, five, five X my, my, uh, my sales. Cause that's how it should work. Right. That's exactly right. But most people don't think that way. They think it's in terms of scarcity. And uh, you see that when an agent has a bad week, they have a bad week and then they want to shut off marketing for the next week to make up what they lost. And it's like, now, nah, brother, you got to like double down the next week. You know, you got to do more. You can't do less and fix a problem. You're putting, yeah. you're putting a bandaid on cancer. You need some yeah. therapy, man. Go all in on that thing. <laughs> that's it. That's it. And you know what? That's, that's nobody. Honestly, I, I haven't seen anybody saying that, that what you just said, that if you have a bad week, you're not supposed to dial back. You're supposed to double down. Because you got to make up for some losses, right? That's basically what you're saying. That's right. That's right. You know, so into a, a a belief of of oneself. You know, do I have the confidence in my ability? Was this a fluke week? Well, if it's a fluke week, like I know I'm going to perform the next week. I just need more opportunities. Uh, agents that struggle with that is a confidence issue, and then that confidence issue turns into a cash flow issue. So just a it's just the the cycle of failure, and you got to take a stand and say. Mm, I'm not this person. Like I'm better than this. I'm afraid, but I'm going to put myself in an uncomfortable situation where I have to produce. Yeah. And when you do that, one of two things happen, Eric, you either become successful quicker or you get out of the business quicker. Too many agents are limping along. Like they, they, they were out of business last year and they're still trying to make ends meet. It's like, dude, either, mm. either just put the dang thing in the behind the barn and put it to death or sell it. Or do something with it, but like quit trying to just milk this this poor suffering animal. Like have some pity on this thing. But they don't. They just like keep keep trying to make it work, and it's just like put it to death, you know. So when you double down, the truth is going to be exposed much quicker. It's going to put you out of your agony much faster than trying to lead you along for the next year, or you're going to become successful a lot faster. So either way, you win. Yeah, absolutely. Now. Along with that, though, before you make the chances. So again, if you're if you've been milking it for a year and you're struggling this whole time, there's a couple of questions you should ask yourself. Mm -hmm. Have you plugged in with a good mentor to, so that somebody can actually from the outside see what you're doing and say, listen, the reason you're struggling so much is because you're not doing X and X. You need to start implementing that right away. So you, you need to ask yourself before you just quit. Have you plugged in with a good mentor? Because one thing that I can tell you right now is that Social media has caused this great ability for uh, agents who feel like they're just subpar agents right now to be able to connect with amazing agents pretty easily, right? So that, and a lot of people are willing to help. Not everyone is willing to help for free, okay? So, I mean, the things that 
you know, what where Miz is doing with putting a lot of content out there for free and stuff. It's great, but I still think that the reality is most people, if you want to succeed, there is an element of investing in yourself, right? So it starts with you got to believe in yourself, but you will have to invest in yourself at some point. Am I right? Not whether it be leads, whether it be mentorship. I mean, I think mentorship is by far the most important attribute to someone's success. And the insurance industry does not preach that. They tell you to chase the money, not the mentor. And so what happens is, and this is where the, the, the bad part of social media is that in, in the insurance business, everybody is a recruiter. Like no one has earned the right to hire people. Everybody is a business owner. And so now you have drones of losers chanting the same mantra and these poor agents that cannot make ends meet are falling for the same pitch over and over again. You gotta, you gotta look past that and like understand that a, a mentor, like if you're putting your contracts under somebody, like that person has to be successful because here's what happens in the insurance business. You get stuck. Like that person owns you. I don't care if you put it under a mentor, a good person, or a thief. That person owns your contract now. The insurance business allows for them to hold you hostage. So you've got to make the right decision. And coming in at the top, 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 top contract, because that's what everyone tells you, almost always results in you losing, making less money, and then running out of business very quickly. Let's let's dive down that road a little bit. All right. Again, all, all, all no no holds no holds barred, right? So one of the things that I love about you, and look, here's a reality that a lot of a lot of agencies who recruit agents under under their hierarchy and offer the highest contracts available or whatever to try to build a team um they they're talking a different talk from from you and me right because you and i we're in a different structure where we actually we have a facility we hire people train them provide leads it's a different setup altogether there's a different cost expenditure to how we're set up and what I love about how you preach your setup and you basically aren't afraid to talk about it. Um, to me, it's the truth that if somebody's green and if somebody needs structure, if somebody needs a mentor consistently and they really just they function and they can operate so much better when they have someone over their shoulder, you know, saying, hey, these are the quotas we got to hit. These are the numbers we got to hit. We'll provide you X amount of leads. We'll train you exactly how to close them and, and we'll coach you when we hear your, your calls are going wrong. There's people that need that, but they got to understand that in order to get all of this stuff that we're talking about, you're going to have to give something up, right? You can't have a 120% contract and expect to have all of that stuff that I just mentioned. You have to give something up and yeah. you end up making more money the other way most times where you take less of a contract, make more money. Yeah, I'll, 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 I'll uh, deviate from your analogy just a little bit here um, because many times we look within the insurance business and only compare it within the insurance business. Listen, if you want to see the picture, you got to be outside of the frame. So why do multimillionaires and billionaire companies open up McDonald's franchises? Is it because they're, they're green or incompetent or don't understand business? Or are they buying into a system that's duplicatable, that works, that allows for them to scale much quicker and better and more profitable, right? That's the same thing. So whether you're a green agent or a brand new or, or, or seasoned agent, it doesn't matter. What matters is what kind of deposits am I going to get in my checking account regardless of what my contract level is? Like that's that's really where the contract level matters is what's the deposit, yes. right? Okay. Yes. So 
People that do not add value to the relationship lead with contract level. But see, the ones that really know how to get somebody to hit their goals and to exceed expectations, they lead with mentorship. So I would just caution people, if you're looking to like be in business, find the guy that's running a business. Do not find the guy that's leading with the contract because here's what ends up happening. And you know this, Eric, because I fell for it too. And I know you have. We go and we get this contract, but then we spend 80% of our time not generating new revenue. That's it. Like I got to buy my leads. I got to budget my leads. I got to set my appointments. I have to drive to my appointments. I have to reschedule my no-shows. I got to service my business. I got to deliver the policy. I got to answer the calls when they're coming in. I, there's just so much blah to it that, that I end up getting a 10% contract level because I'm spending most of my time not selling. Yeah. So you got to find, you got to find that balance. What, how much value do you want in order for you to keep your sanity and make a lot of money? Cause there, there is a percentage of that contract that you'd be willing to give up if you didn't have to deal with some of the aspects of the business that you did not enjoy. There's a percentage of the contract that you would give up that if, if someone could set your appointments. Now, some independent agents are already doing that. So maybe you have the 120, but if you're paying a secretary, if you're paying an appointment setter, if you're paying for leads, it ain't a 120, baby. You like at a 60 or 70% contract. That's, yeah. that's the whole philosophy that I'm trying to instill in people. It doesn't matter which road you take, right? But the 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 the, the process, the the uh, the scalability of your business, all that stuff matters because nobody wants to be in the business for 30 or 40 or 50 years still doing what they're doing and then have nothing to give away to their children when they're long and gone. That's not why I got in this business. You know, that's why most of it get in this business. And so I'm on a mission to push back against th this, this flawed model that the business has just been doing for so long because I see people struggling and I know you see it too. And we just got to be loud and just say, there's another way to do this, you know? Yeah. Jumping from one MLM to another MLM, and some are open about it and some lie about it. Most of them are MLMs, by the way. They just don't tell you. Um, <laughs> that's not that's that that doesn't work for the producing agent that's trying to run a business. What do you okay? So, what are your thoughts on the the way I've always kind of viewed it is that there's a lot of people who want to consider getting into the insurance business. They hear a lot of great things about the silver tsunami, the amount of seniors that are out there, which obviously means there's a, the business is plentiful. But I, what are your thoughts? Do you think that every agent is cut out to be an independent agent that has to support themselves with leads, with, with uh, the systems, with basically running as a business? Because um, I think that some agents aren't cut out for it, at least maybe sometimes at, at a certain point in their life. Right. They maybe they try to do it too soon. Maybe they're not ready or at the end of the day, they don't have the stomach for it, which because that a lot of it can lead back to they don't believe in themselves enough. So they don't have the stomach to take the risks involved with being an independent agent. Uh, but what are, what are your thoughts on that? Do you think that everybody everybody should be trying to be an independent agent or do you think that there's lots of cases where agents should be more in a captive situation uh, where they have a lot of the support they need so that they could become successful? Well, I don't think most people should be a business owner. You know, so should most people be an independent agent? No, just like most people shouldn't be a business owner, right? Listen, 
the exact reason why people fail. I've never said this on camera before. This is my secret. This is how I can tell if they're going to make it or not, if I'm going to hire them or not. You're all getting exclusive access. To this is what we want. This yeah. is what we want. I asked people, why are you getting in the business? That reason that they give me, Eric, the reason they give me of why they're getting in the business is the exact reason why they always fail. Well, I want to get in the business because I want to provide for my daughter and my son. You know what happens? The moment their daughter's sick, they got to take three days off of work. The moment their son scrapes his knee, she need, you got to leave early this day. Well, I, I want to I get in the business because I want to be my own boss. Well, you know what? You're a sucky boss. You can't, you can't manage yourself. You know what I'm saying? Like, so I, I always ask that question, like, why are you getting into the business? And almost always, that is the exact reason why they fail. Why do you want to sell over the phone? Well, I, I want to just wake up and roll over in my underwear and start making calls. And that's exactly why they fail. You know, they're just sloppy in all aspects of their life, not just business. So <laughs> the guy, the, the, the answer to why do you want to get into business is because I want to get paid what I'm worth. I want to put in more hours to make more money. I want to leave a legacy behind to my children. You're going to make it, baby. But all these jokers that are getting into this because they're like, yeah, you know, I'm, I'm going to uh, hashtag hustle, hashtag grind. I'm like, hashtag no, you ain't. <laughs> <laughs> like that ain't gonna happen. Like I already, I, I've interviewed a million of you, and you're all the same, you know, with your affliction shirt and your veins popping out in my office. They're like, mm -mm -mm -mm. You, you ain't the one. You ain't the one. But you know, go down, go down and see that MLM. They'd love you, and they'll recruit your mother while you're at it too. <laughs> That's exactly what happened. They tried to recruit my mother. Damn it. <laughs> For real, I know, brother. <laughs> so. But look, that's one of the that's one of the things that I keep. Uh, I, I've been trying to be a little more vocal, a lot more vocal about that because again, when you're a call center operator, that is what you're doing, right? I'm I'm bringing people into my place, and I'm providing the training, I'm providing the leads, I'm providing the support, the phone systems, everything they need to operate. All they have to do is sit down, follow the system, be successful. Yep. And um, there, but there's a lot of people out there demonizing that. You know, there's a lot of people demonizing it and you hear it. It's loud and 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 people are just talking like it. But that's why I, I'm trying to push back and say, well, independent agents. I mean, that that is not something for everybody. It's just not not everyone's going to have the stomach for it. And, and it's it's a freaking difficult job. And be rooted in those desires that you mentioned earlier, that you want to create legacy, that you want to work harder than the nine to five. Not you don't want to be your own boss so that you can work nine to two you want to be your own boss so that you can work as much as you need and in return earn what you're worth right so you hit it right on the head but i just think that people like us to be a lot louder about both sides of the fence that i support the independent agent and i want to see as many independent agents succeed as possible but i also have to be honest in saying there are some people who shouldn't be independent agents who should and who should operate under a captive agency and and probably find more success than they would if they were on their own. I mean, listen, here's the deal. And I, and I say this in, in like unequivocally certain terms. The captive agent always lasts longer than the independent agent every time. There's always hope. There's always waking up to leads. There's always a system to follow. There's always a mentor. The independent agent gets wakes up every day unemployed and is tempted to quit the business. Almost always. And they always wake up unemployed because it's all based on them. I got to yeah. wake up and I got to start calling on my leads, okay? The difference between the two 
is if, if we were hiring for the same job, if I paid you 20 hours, $20 an hour, and you worked 40 hours a week, you make more money than the guy I paid 40 hours, $40 an hour to, and they work 10 hours a week. Okay. That's the difference. So yes, you can make more, but your output is much less independent. Now there are some there are some captive companies that are crap. Like let's talk about that because that's really what ruins it for the good guys. Okay. Yeah. There are some captive companies that are crap that give you a huge reduction in your commissions. Then the first day of work, you're all buttoned up, ready to go, and they say, "All right, let's sit down and write 500 names of our closest friends and family." I'm like, "What in the heck is this?" I could have done this by myself. I didn't need you to tell me that. <laughs> that. That ruins it. But the people like you, Eric, that are really investing in your people, giving them a pathway to success, showing that to them, modeling what you've done before successfully, those are amazing opportunities. And some people don't fit into that. And that's fine too. But more times than not, those people end up failing out of the business. Yeah, that's absolutely right. So Hey, I'm going to say, keep doing what you're doing. Keep preaching that from the hilltops because that's what people need to understand that it isn't always about the highest contract. You know, you, what's, what it is comes down to is who's going to put more money in your pocket, you right. know? And so Remiz's setup nine times out of 10 puts more money in an agent's pocket than you doing it on your own. That's just the truth. Unless, unless you have that straight up grind work ethic and that, that desire and passion that keeps you fueling, then yeah, you'll succeed as an independent agent. But just I think that people have to be honest with themselves. And that's one thing that's always hard to do is be introspective and be honest about where you fall in the in the dynamic of all that. So yeah. um, let's see. I'm going to get to some of the stuff because obviously that was just riff in there. And that was a lot of fun. You know, that's what I love. I love that juicy stuff. But I want to get to some of the things that the agents wanted to hear a little bit more about. So let's focus on the the situation that we're all in now. And for you and I, it is absolutely nothing different, which is selling over the phone. This is what we've been doing. This is what we love doing. And, you know, honestly, it's, it's, it's so, um, I don't know. I just, I feel very blessed that, that I fell in love with selling over the phone for completely different reasons. You know, I really do. I feel blessed because now I'm in that position. So tell me what you think about did COVID just speed up the process of what was eventually going to happen anyway? Well, I think, I think telesales speeds up the process with whatever happens anyway. That's why most agents don't jump into telesales. Only the strong survive, Eric. And so what telesales does is it compresses time. Like I was talking about earlier, these poor agents that are, that are following a system and calling and then setting an appointment and then driving and then rescheduling, like, Everything is so long and delayed that the agent that has failed in week two doesn't find out until month six or seven. So telesales shines the light on you so quick because you've got yeah. to be good at the job. So what COVID did was for many people force them to identify if they are in the right place in the business. And most people failed. They were not prepared. They failed. So now what we're finding, all these IMOs that uh, preached against telesales and carriers, by the way, told me no when I was new into telesales and said, hey, I think I can do something. Would you give me a shot? And they laughed at me. All those people are now trying to get into telesales real quick, and it is sloppy, 
It is bad. It's gross. And there's going to be a lot, a lot of people doing it wrong. And I can see some IMOs and some carriers going under because they're not doing it right. So just like telesales has always done, it compresses time. It shows people where they're, where, where they're flawed at. And it gets them out of the business real quick. That's going to happen with IMO. That's going to happen with carriers. That's what COVID has done for the insurance business. It weeded out, in my opinion, all the slinging people, the, you know, the hot dog slingers. They're just, they weren't really that serious anyways. And so now they ain't going to make it in business because they can't bamboozle any more agents because it costs money to be in telesales. Yeah, that's, and that's, that's one of the truths that maybe a lot of agents right now, a lot of the agents that are joining my group now, I mean, obviously there's, there's quite a bit of agents who are part of this group right now that got in through my free trial, right? Because it's something I wanted to do. I had the system in place. I had the, the platform to teach people on a large scale and I wanted to utilize it to help. So, but there's going to be an expiration to that free trial, right? And at that point, you're going to continue paying to continue accessing the tools it's not even so much, I feel like the training that I'm giving, the access to the university, which is hundreds and hundreds of hours of training, all that just comes with it. But really what you're paying for is access to tools. And that's an investment that, that maybe a lot of agents aren't used to right now who are face-to-face, -face, that there's investments in the telephone system, the CRM system, uh, you know, things that they weren't used to before. Now, all of a sudden they're faced with, um, which is incredibly important to understand that that's just part of doing business, right? I mean, you're talking about it in all your trainings. You need to have a CRM. You need to have a way that you're making calls in a more structured way so that you can keep track of all these leads. No more spreadsheets, right? No more spreadsheets. No more printing it on paper and trying to keep track of who you called by notes on there. Like it's time to use a system that's going to make you more efficient because more efficiency will lead to more sales. Right. So talk a little bit about that. Talk to, to preach to the people about understanding that the number one person you got to invest in is yourself. And that's not always just mentorship. It's also tools and systems that you need. Yeah. Well, you know, agents, agents are investing in their business as face-to-face -face agents too. They just don't know it. Like wear and tear on their car, gas, you know, all that stuff costs money that it, you're just not aware that you're spending. So over the phone, you need a vehicle too. Just like you need a vehicle to get to your face-to-face -face point. You need a vehicle to get to people over the phone. And Calling on your, you know, iPhone four that's barely making it as it is, and uh, <laughs> yeah. and then writing, getting direct mail pieces, and writing when you last time you called them, and then just putting them in some kind of Rolodex like we did in third grade with index cards, like that. It ain't the '80s no more, you know. The, the Wolf of Wall Street was a good movie, but we're not in the '90s, early '90s. You don't have to model that, and so you got to invest in a vehicle that will create a processing system that's duplicatable that will hold you accountable so that you know yes. you have a predictable day you can know what to expect and the system begins to manage your behavior and you follow through with what a, with what you need to do that's what business is business yep. is not let me wake up every day and try to figure out how i'm going to make it work it is a process and a system that allows for you to print money and duplicate that over the course of the longevity of your business. So in order for agents to start creating that, that uh, repet repetition over and over, that leads me into some of the questions that the team wanted to know about. Mm -hmm. Mindset. Mindset, I think, is the number one part of getting into that disciplined, every day, doing the same thing over and over to produce the results you need. 
Talk about how important in telesales the mindset is. Well, that's the reason why most people don't make it in sales, period, because you will always hear more no's than yeses. And you got to prepare yourself for that. And you got to be okay with that and have that realization before you jump in. You know, recruiters do a really good job painting a certain picture of the industry. Notice that, you know, the typical final expense ad for an agent has some middle-aged fat guy with some hot chick and a nice slick car. And everyone's like, you know, I'm middle-aged and I'm a little chubby. I'd like a wife like that. I'd like a slick car like that. And then they get into it and they're like, dude, this is horrible. <laughs> okay. So you, you got to first like understand, man, that sales is not for the faint of heart. And don't fool yourself into thinking that it's just going to be a cakewalk. I don't care if you're an employee. I don't care if you're an independent agent. I don't care if you're on a draw. I don't care if you're selling cars or insurance or Tupperware door to door. It doesn't matter. It is tough. And you have to be able to come to terms with that. And so if it's something that you cannot stomach, don't get started. Like do yourself a favor and save yourself from the agony and the depression and the letdown of you not making it. Okay. It's just, it ain't for you. It's okay. It's all right. That's the first thing. Hold on real quick. Let me just, uh, if somebody can comment, somebody commented that our stream just cut out. Oh, um, can somebody just send a comment real quick that the stream is still going? I still see us connected. It might've been one of those other insurance agencies that don't like me. They came in and hacked us. <laughs> Let me check real quick. Let me look on quick on my phone. I just want to make sure. Cause somebody, so someone posted, we cut out. Your sentence. I was like, dude, whatever you need, bro. I'll be right. Yeah. Okay. So that's, I says not, nah, it says now nah, you're good. You're even fine. Yeah. I think we're good still. Okay. Um, Somebody must be on dial-up internet. That happens sometimes. That yeah. That doesn't work with telephone. Okay. We're good. We're good. All right. I apologize. I apologize. You were on a roll. That, that was point number one. Now point number two. Okay. Point number two. <laughs> Once you're in, you have to manage your behavior. You do not manage to the result. You manage to the behavior. And you have to hold yourself accountable to a system and to a process. And your emotions will always lead you astray. Always. So you can't listen to that, that chirping in the back of your mind. You have got to follow a process. And this is what I tell everybody. Everyone wants to be a business owner. Awesome. If me and you were to go into business and we were to open up a gas station and we hired a cashier and we trained her how to count money and we trained her how to use the cash register and we trained her how to open up the pumps. If she started showing up a little late and she started counting the money a little wrong, what would you do in that situation? Okay, whatever you would do, which everyone would say, well, I'd train her up or I'd fire her or hold her account. Okay, do better than that. Okay, whatever you expect from that minimum wage cashier that you would hold her accountable to, do better for yourself. So if she's one minute late, you're going to talk to her, you better be one minute early, which is still lame, but at least that. Okay, uh, yeah, but if, and if she's supposed to be there till five, be there till five. What happens many times is that we feel accomplished and that we deserve something or I have money. I have three months of bills saved up. That yeah. means something like, no, it means you should do more of something that's working. Don't do less of it. Do more of it. So let the process hold you accountable. I have found Eric, when you manage to the process, it leaves all emotion out of it. And, I, and you have really, really good weeks and make really, really good money. And you're never tempted to compromise. 
Once you start doing that, you're all, you're out of business, period. You're out of business. So first, come to the realization that is this for you or not? If not, take it out behind the barn, put it to death, and go find a job. That's okay. Okay, that's all right. Second thing, follow, find a mentor that's going to give you a process and follow that process to a T. If you can't handle that, go outside of the barn, put yourself, put it to death, and find something else to do. That's the only way this, that's the only way this gig works. Anything outside of that, you're going to be frustrated. Your spouse is going to hate you. You're going to end up in a really, really bad situation. And you're going to blame the insurance industry. It wasn't the industry. It was you, Poppy. Period. (laughs) Poppy. (laughs) You went Latin on me. (laughs) That No, and that's that's 100% right. So I think that too many people, motivation is great, right? But too many people are reliant on motivation to try to get them through the day. And really what you need is discipline. So you have to understand that motivation is only good for about 10 minutes. That's good to get you started. But after that, discipline is what has to get you through the day. Keep making the dials, keep having the conversations, keep dealing with the no's that are absolutely gonna come. It's just, that's part of the game, you know? And and, and I really, I think people need to understand that all the all the sexy stuff they're seeing because look insurance isn't sexy but i'm going to try to make it sexy again but still it's it's all the stuff that comes with it like all the rewards it's only because the discipline was there to deal with the shit. yeah right yeah that's that's really what it is so when we're talking about mindset that's the mindset the mindset is you just have to know that you need to be mentally tough and if you're not going to be mentally tough just be honest with yourself and you don't waste your time that's right. That's what. You, that's really what it comes down to. So, all right, then let's let's move into some good stuff regarding sales themselves. Okay. So, um, one of the things that I think. Well, well, no. Let me back up a little bit. I want to just. There's one more thing I want to touch on for the last point, and that is for those who are willing to have that mental toughness, that mindset. We're we're all right now in a position where we have to work from home. Uh huh. How would you tell people they should do to eliminate distractions? Okay. Whether that's a, you- yeah. Well, I'll tell you, um, I'm, I'm downstairs in my theater room because my kids kept going up in my office and I'm like, we're going to have to put a couple of you in foster care if we don't get this together. Okay. So, uh, <laughs> but anyways, I moved downstairs and so you, <laughs> Because I knew I was not being able, I wasn't, I, I put myself in a situation that was not beneficial for the family or for me. So I'm downstairs, the door's locked, I don't hear noise, um, and I'm here, like I'm working. I have to hold myself accountable. I got to put in at least 40 hours a week. You, you got to put yourself in a situation to win physically, okay, physically. Like right yeah. now, Eric's at the kitchen table or something, but he told me why he's there, but uh, that's a tough place to spend the day when it, yeah. it, when you when you have people coming in out of the home. Uh, so you got to physically distance yourself to set yourself up for success and discipline yourself to do that and set the rules with the kids. Like y'all already done kicked me out from half the house. Give me a little bit of room. Don't come and talk to me and I'll be done at five. Like they didn't see me till five most days anyway. So just because I'm at home, that means you should see me more. I should. I, I might just consider working more so you see me less. I don't know. Yeah, I haven't decided. Uh, but, but the physicality of where you are is so important. I understand some people just don't have that. They just don't have that. They 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 don't have the room, or there's or they are the only breadwinner and 
they're used to their children not being at school. Like that really, really sucks. Um, personally, if I was in that situation, I would find someone to watch my children off site and then I would hustle and make extra sales to make up the difference to, to, to pay for that. That's what I would do personally. And I, and I can't speak for anybody else. I've never been in that situation. Uh, but I understand the, 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 the physical aspect of being separated from people so that I can hold myself, you know, account, you know, Uh, and normally, you know, if all my other streams that I've been doing, people can see, like, I have, I have a room that's designated as my office and I tell them, I've, I've told them that the same thing that I shut my door and I lock it and I can hear my kid walk up. I'm just like, I'm still working, you know? And so they, they got it. They understand my wife has been great. She actually, she'll knock and she'll bring me like lunch. Cause she knows that I'll just go right through it all, you know, bring breakfast to me. Cause I just, normally I'm getting up at 6am I'm coming down. And because I don't have to worry about getting dressed and showering, what do I do? I go right into my office and I start working and then I can work clear out until nine o'clock at night. If my wife's not like, Hey, you got to cut it off now. You know, you've, you've given it all your time. Now let's come out and spend some family time. So yeah, the physicality is super important, but what would you say about the people who get carried away browsing in their office? They physically gotten away, but they're still browsing Facebook too much socially and not putting in the time they need working. Yeah. I mean, quit being a dud. I'm going to tell you, like you, you got kids that go to school. What do you want them to just be picking their nose and put their thumb up their butt all day? I mean, what they just, how, what do you want your kid like? Imagine your kids were watching you work as if they were watching you were watching them at school. Like, what would be the expectations? And just yeah. hold yourself to that, you know. And when when we're when we are away in private, we many times are tempted to compromise in certain areas. You know, that is what you need to be careful for. And you just got to hold yourself accountable. Like, how do you teach someone to be a good, likable person? I have no idea. Like, go to church maybe, have some people lay some hands on you. I don't know. <laughs> But that's like, how, how do you become an adult? Like, I don't know. Just be one. Like, <laughs> so, so do what you got to do. It's your job. Like, yeah. You have bills. I don't know what to tell you. That's like, that's a Nike slogan. Just do it. Yeah. <laughs> Just do it. You know? No, that's good. <laughs> so, okay. All right. All right. Let's jump into some meat and potatoes here that people want to hear regarding the sales process. Uh-huh. Uh, one of the things that I've been teaching a lot and in seeing how you guys have broken down the scripts so far in terms of people building a script, I always say that you, you, you obviously start with an intro, then you need to move to quickly trying to qualify them to determine if they're a waste of time or not. Yep. Uh, then you go to building your rapport, then you go to doing your presentation, then you go to closing. And, and it seems that you and I, you know, that's exactly what you teach as well. So, one of the questions I get a lot, and I'd love to have you answer, um, what are ways that you can start creating the emotion? What are questions you can ask to start creating the emotional experience that's needed to get that connection from the client so that they want to make this decision? So um, when, when you talk of emotion, I'm, I'm, I'm putting those into two categories. So help me to understand. There's the emotion of like the connectedness between me and my client or the emotion of the client connected to the product. So, cause those are two separate conversations. Yeah, let's, let's, let's delve into both. Let's start with the first one because the first one you need is the rapport building, the emotional connection to the client. Absolutely. So I, I believe that you have not earned the right to influence anybody into making a decision until you've built a connection with them, period. Sales do not take place if the customer does not feel like they know you, like you, or trust you. So I teach a funnel system my, I call it my rapport funnel. I don't even know where that came from. It just happened one day. 
And I talk about starting with very wide and broad discussions and then narrowing it down to what's important to them. The reason for that is because the client is already anxious and knows that you're going to be a scummy sales guy like the rest of those people. So I have to lower their guard brick by brick. And I don't do that by kicking down the door and saying, now, why would you fill out this form online? What are they going to close you on today? Right? You can't do that. You do that by saying, you know, hey, you're down in Arizona. I know it's a beautiful part of the country. You have you, Were you born and raised there? Listen, that has no bearing on the sale at all. Frankly, I don't care if you were born and raised there. I only ask that question because my client needs to hear that. My client needs for me to start with broad and then funnel down to family, what's important to them, where they invest their time, what are the dynamics in this person's life as to why they're, they're looking at this insurance today. But I can't start there. I got to start with the weather and hobbies and TV and then I get spouse, children, grandchildren, legacy. Like you got to you got to funnel that down, and then I live in what's important. The definition of rapport is a group of people that think the same way and have the same sets of value and beliefs. That's rapport. And now you can't build rapport around NASCAR and hot dogs and barbecue sauce. Like too many people think that I, I built a connection. We both like, you know, Hebrew nationals with mustard on it. It's like, that's the best thing I've ever heard. Okay. Um, so you rapport is built on values and beliefs. People that are like-minded. That's where rapport is built. So I got I have to do that there. Then the connection is built with me. Okay. Yep. Now, now I've earned the right to impose an influence upon this person. So then let me ask you, because, okay, in, in those sets of questions, and it's beautifully designed how you're talking about with the, with the funnel of questions, some, you start with the less serious and go into more and more serious questions. But in, every, in every, almost every question that you're asking them and they're giving you an answer, it's, I've always taught that you need to share about yourself as well yeah. because that's what's created the relatability. Um, and so, so basically what you're saying, like when you ask one of these questions, you know, have you always lived in Arizona? then it's good to always, to always talk about, well, I've been in whatever state I'm in for X amount of time. I love it here, blah, 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 right? It's important. You got to share back if you're going to be asking so that you can move to the next step. Yeah. It's so so that, that technique is called the give and take method. So I cannot take from you unless I give you information, right? So in my presentation, I'm going to start the call by setting the expectations and setting what the customer uh, how this call is going to go. So I'm giving as much as I can. Hey, listen, I'm going to help you with this. I'm, uh, this is my license number. Yeah, so I'm giving, 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 giving. And then I'm going to say, now, you, were you born and raised in Arizona? Now I'm taking. And then I'm going to ask you probably two or three related questions about the geography of where you are and why you like living there. Then I'm going to give back by simply answering those three questions back to you. So I'm from Missouri. I lived here for this long. The reason why I lived here is for that. Now tell me, are you married or, or single? You know, and then I'm on to the next thing. But it's important after every answer the client gives you, you have to respond with praise, with hope, or with empathy. If not, if you ask too many rapid fire questions, it amplifies their anxiety and they'll hang up the phone on you because like they feel like they did something wrong, you know? So you gotta be you gotta have a conversation. So starting wide, getting narrow, 
and then giving and taking. So don't ask too many questions in a row. Make sure that you're giving back to them so that the conversation feels more natural. Yeah. And I like that. Again, that's, that's, again, we're, we're right here about, you know, you, you do, you have to share about yourself. I, that's where I've always found the most success when I'm selling over the phone and when I'm building relationship is when I'm sharing about myself as well. And fortunately, you know, at this point in my life, especially, I have a lot to share, but for those who don't, you know, always remember that you have family members that you can share stories of. You have uh, friends that are close friends that you can share stories of. Uh, sometimes that relatability is like you you got You can share that you understand because your best friend went through the same thing. And, and you know, so that helps as well, because for the younger people who may not have had as many experiences yet, it's sometimes they think, well, it's too hard for me to relate. And, and I've dealt with this within my own call center because I, they're, they're in their early 20s. They, they, there's still a lot they haven't experienced yet. So I'm like, well, use my experiences. That's why I'm telling you about them so that you can use my experiences as, as, a, as a proxy. Yeah, well, so. many people, one of the best ways to break that, and, and that limited belief is solely on the sales force. Like they think that, the clients don't think that. But you could always ask for advice. You know, you've been, wow, you've been married for 50 years. Miss Mary, can I ask you a question? What's the secret to being married for that long? Like that. And then all you have to do is agree with them. Like, wow, yeah, going to church every Sunday. I agree with that. Now I'm building a connection. See, I don't have to be married for 50 years and I don't have to go to church every Sunday. But if I tell her I agree with her, now we're now we're starting to build rapport with each other. So, yeah. I, you know, many way, many times the younger people have the advantage because they don't have all this baggage behind. You know, old people always, they, they want to talk about politics and they want to talk about all this baggage. They've had their three ex-wives and the younger people are so fresh. Like you, you can you know, be a little more fluid during the conversation and you have a lot more patience for old people, old people, yeah. don't have patience for old people, you know? Yeah, no, I like that. So, so that, that covers the emotional creating the, like what kind of questions you need to ask to create that emotional connection to build the rapport. Yeah. So then the next emotional side of things is to create that emotional connection where they really see the value and understand the need for what you're selling. Right. And, and let me ask you the emotional connection Normally, will it be tied up, tied into urgency, or do you also need to create the urgency on top of it? Yeah, great question. So um, specifically on tying uh, the emotional connection to the product, it's important that you use stories to do that. Okay, so we will paint vivid stories where we're talking about people's names, sounds and sights and colors. Those things are very, very important. Whether you're selling health insurance or life insurance, what you have to do is put them in a position where they need this product. And you do that by pulling previous experiences, having those circus back up for them. Everybody knows somebody that went through, you know, chemo or radiation and how much money that cost. And if they would have done this, it would have looked a lot different. Or someone that passed away without life insurance and the burden that put on the family. So you put them back in that situation allow for them to tell you about that. You share your own personal experiences vividly to them. Now that connection is built emotionally with the product. They're connected with me. They're connected with the product. We're good. But the missing component is urgency. So now how do you build urgency? Well, you build urgency by doing a simple process in sales that has been around forever called takeaway selling. People want what they cannot have. Just like how good parents raise their children. How do you manipulate your children into doing what you want them to do? You tell them, if you don't do that, you're not getting this. And then all of a sudden, they weren't even thinking about ice cream, but daggone, I'm going to clean up this room because daddy told me I'm going to get some ice cream later. That's takeaway selling. 
yeah. with the clients. They, you have got to not make it so like not everybody qualifies for this or not everybody qualifies to work with me. So let's see if we're, if this, if this relationship is going to go any further. And so many, so many times we're using, we're using the underwriting as the takeaway. Yeah. Yeah. Perfect. Definitely. And in life insurance, hundred percent, that's what you do. Yeah. It, same thing with, with Medicare supplements. A lot of times, um, Medicare advantage, not so much because of the, you know, there's only one underwriting question, but, um, that's, but that's so, so now that we've, you know, we've created that takeaway, that takeaway is what creates the urgency, yeah. the desire for them to say, Hey, I really want this. Yeah. Because it's true, right? Like if they pass the underwriting questions at the end of the call, when I'm asking for the money, if they want to think about it, Literally, if something changes tomorrow, you may not qualify. Like we got to take care of this today. I don't need any money today from you, Miss Mary. Okay, we, the money's not gonna. We're not not gonna be due till the third of next month. But we got to take care of this today. All right, go grab that checkbook. Let me know when you're ready. Yeah, perfect. Um, so let's see. And I, I got a few more questions, and then I just want to take turn it over to see what uh, questions people are having that we can answer. But um, one of the things that I like that you've said. And I want you to hit them hard right now on this. People ask all the time about, hey, um, I need help with objections. I need help with objections. I get these objections at the beginning. I get this objection in the middle. I get, And I'm not going to repeat your philosophy. I just want you to go in and say it because I love it. Go ahead and say what you say about objections. Okay. Well, I'm a bit jaded, man. I've been doing this for a long time. And there, some people will say there's no such thing as dumb questions. Yes, there are. When you've been doing this for over a decade, I hear a lot of dumb questions. And um, <laughs> so there are no objections until you ask for the money, period. End of story. Everything leading up to asking for the money is a question, a comment, or a concern. Novice agents misinterpret those as a level of disinterest. No. If they say they're on a fixed income and they're broke, that's a complaint. I know many of my clients are on a fixed income and broke. Congratulations. We're still doing business today, right? Or, hey, are you going to send this to me in black and white? Yeah, absolutely. That's a question. That's a question, you know? But too many agents look, look at it like, you know, when the customer says, well, I just want you to know I can't afford anything. Okay, well, hey, you know, I can't afford to buy an island, so we're in the same boat, all right? So I don't say to them, well, can you, can you afford – a dollar a day, like somewhere, somewhere in sales training, somewhere, somebody taught one idiot to do that. And then now everyone has the COVID virus. You don't ask them, can you afford this? Like you haven't earned the right to ask that question yet. So you simply just deflect. Miss Mary, I understand. Listen, I'm going to do my best to find you something the most affordable. Now, as I was saying, and I'm back in my presentation, it's not an objection. They're not objecting to anything. They don't even know what the price is. What is there to object about? You you call that, um, and, I, and I love it, you called it uh, alpha control statements. Yeah, alpha, yeah. In, internally, the jargon is alpha call control, yes. Yeah, alpha call control, right? Because, and, and I love that, you know, because all you're doing is you're, you're acknowledging, you're acknowledging what their question is, you give them a short answer that's very broad and general, and then you pivot back to what you're talking about. You're keeping control, you know, and I, I've always, yeah, I, I call them the same. I didn't call alpha control. I like the term alpha, but I just call them controlling the conversation, right? That's what I always said, controlling the conversation. So you don't let them deviate you from your script or from your structure that you normally follow when you're making presentations. 
you control it by basically acknowledging it, but then go back to the script as quickly as possible. And listen, Eric, everybody knows this. This is not a sales technique. This is a technique that you use to, to, to gear people into a different direction when you're not, when you don't want to talk about it right now, listen to your children. Like you, especially, especially y'all with small children, you're great salespeople. Your son or your daughter comes up and it's eight in the morning and he comes, pulls on your jammies and he says, dad, I want some ice cream. You don't say to him, well, what kind of ice cream do you want? Or what makes you want to have ice cream? Or what flavor is your favorite kind of ice cream? You don't say that. You say, okay, son, tell you what, we're going to have some ice cream later, but right now we're going to go watch a cartoon. And then your son goes and watches a cartoon and later on sometime in the, at some other time we can talk about ice cream. Well, it's the same philosophy when you're making sales. When the customer asks for something, we got to get out of this, this mindset that that means something. It doesn't mean anything. It means, I just want to make sure you understand that you heard me. And yeah, we can talk about it later. No problem. Now I'm giving myself an opportunity to overcome that concern through the process, as opposed to trying to fight it right there like a puma waiting for the play, you know? <laughs> Uh, Puma. L listen, I think that that's really sometimes it's so it's so simple, right? Because that really it's just kind of a it's a different way of looking at it. Your perception, if you just change it a little bit, you no longer look at these questions at the beginning as objections. You're just like, oh, it's just a question. I'm gonna answer like I would anything else, and I'm gonna move back onto what I'm talking about. Yeah. It's so simple, you know. But but I love it, and I think that um, you know it, it's. It's not always the easiest thing to implement for some people, but at the end of the day, it's still simple. It's a simple yeah, fix. It's simple, right? But many times, and, and, and I'm not trying to make fun of anybody, uh, but maybe I will. Um, <laughs> too many, too many salespeople are broke, so they sell out of desperation. So they get so nervous and so scared. Like literally, one sale is the difference between me going home tonight with my lights on or not. And so they sell with hot commission breath and it stinks and the customers smell it over the telephone and they don't want to do business with you. But a confident person that's confident in their abilities, that's a professional, they don't jump on those questions or objections out of frustration or desperation. They just say, Hey, Miss Mary, I understand. Listen, honey, we're going to get to that in just a second. Now, like I was saying, and then I move on. It doesn't even phase me. It doesn't bother me because I know what success looks like. Model that. Don't keep doing what you're doing and being broke because that ain't working for you. That's the only reason why people don't do that is because they're just they're so desperate to get that sale. They don't have confidence. They're down and out and they're just just being sloppy with the whole process because they just don't know. Any. That's what got them to be broke in the first place. They weren't listening in the first place. Yeah. Yeah. And that's again, I always tell people, listen, if if you really will just plug in with a mentor who has a system who says, look, I know this works because I do it, you know, and that's kind of where you and I come from. We have call centers. We practice what we preach. We know it works because we do it. So as long as you just follow what we say, it'll lead to sales. But I think that there, to me, what I've noticed with people who are getting in the industry, the biggest thing that always holds anyone back is fear. The fear of uh, saying what needs to be said, saying things in a certain way because they're afraid they're going to offend the lead. They're afraid that they're going to give themselves a bad name. They're afraid they're going to give the company they work for a bad name. The best piece of advice, and I remember saying this on stage at 8%, the best piece of advice that my buddy gave me is he's like, dude, stop giving a shit. 
Like, just say what needs to be said. Stop giving a shit. Don't worry about what the company's going to think. Don't worry about it. Like, just do what you should do. Do what you're supposed, what you're told to say, and it will work. And it was really that that burden that I felt was lifted in with those few words. Just don't give a shit. With those few words, the burden was lifted, and I literally stopped giving a shit, and I just started saying what I had to say. And all of a sudden, this there's just this confidence swelled up in me, especially when I actually saw that it was That's the biggest thing that I tell people, stop being afraid. I'm giving you permission. You may not want the permission from me, but I'm giving you permission. If you want to see success, stop giving a shit. Don't be afraid to say the things that we're telling you to say yeah. because they're, they're powerful psychological statements. That's why we're telling you to say them, yes. but they have to be said with confidence. Absolutely. So guys, I want you to start asking some questions. I do see some questions coming in. So I want you to start asking some questions and uh, I got just a couple more things to cover with him before we get to those. I really appreciate your time today, man. I really, really appreciate it. Of course. Um, so we hit him hard with the philosophy about objections. I love it. Now, I want um, I want to ask again. There's actually a question that I've been asked a few times, and I'm curious about your answer to this. There's some people who have a um, they are self conscious because they have accents. Okay. What are your thoughts on that? So if I have like my mother, she's Latina. She comes from El Salvador because uh, I'm first generation American. My dad came from Mexico. Mom came from El Salvador when she was 17. So she has an accent. I think it's the cutest thing in the world, but she's always been super self-conscious about it. So imagine if you're self-conscious about it, but then your job is to get on the phone and pitch. Like, what would you say to those people who have that, that I guess, that chip on their shoulder about it? Yeah, I mean, again, it comes down to confidence, right? And so if you're lacking confidence because of your accent, then you're going to struggle because of your confidence. Now, I will say this, and again, I think someone like me and you, Eric, can speak very open and honest about this. Uh, most of my family, most of my family uh, have very thick Middle Eastern accents. And in many ways, and I'm just being completely honest, that can be a disadvantage. So you have to make up for it in other areas or you're not going to succeed. So you can make up with it, wake up for it with extra confidence or extra humor or more personability to you. Like you're just more personable. Uh, you're much more sweeter. Like you have to, like it is, on, or, or with more work ethic or commitment to the platform. Like you have to understand that it is, it can be a disadvantage unless you have other attributes to make up the difference for you. And I know that, that that's not the popular answer, but you know, when I get a call from somebody from Pakistan, which I get all day, every day, someone put my name on a list as a prank and it is decades old now. Uh, right away, my mind goes to scam. Obviously, and my name is Ramiz Hakim. Like, okay, if I think that God knows what you think. Okay. Um, so I, I have to, there has to be something else to it because if, if both of you are saying the same words, if both of you are giving me the same voice inflection, same product, you're going to have a disadvantage. So what are you going to do that's going to take you to the next level? And I, and I see, so let me see who it was. Cause again, unfortunately the, this system doesn't show me who's posting, but somebody said a foreign accent is a big advantage. Um, well, that's that's a great that's already it's a great uh, attitude to have. 
uh, because then if they see it that way, I, I think that leads them to have more confidence. Uh, but but you make a great point. I've run across a lot of people who, yes, they had a heavy accent, but they did. Now that I'm thinking about it, they made it up. They were super funny. Yeah. And I'm just like, maybe that was their superpowers that they're just like, hey, I have to make up for this by being extra funny. Yes. And and it made him more endearing and charming and made me want to talk to him some more. Yes. So that's absolutely a great piece of advice to to give people. And, and it's not rude or mean. And, and I think, again, you and I are in a better position than most to to lay out that advice because we have parents who come from foreign countries with heavy accents. Mm -hmm. So it's definitely it's yeah, it's a great great thing to say um okay so i'm going to take a look here it looks like uh jeff jeff yates asked uh two or three best intros to gain rapport control transitioning into determining current coverage and to be able to pivot to a product so really you don't have two or three you have just one intro and it's pretty basic isn't it well it, based off of the the, the intro is gonna be based off the lead all right so are you cold calling is it an inbound call is it a facebook lead like so you have to customize the intro based off of how the lead was generated only in the introspect of how am I going to tell them I received their information? Like I'm calling you back because you request some information online or calling you back because you request some information through the mail. But either way, the, 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 my, my uh, recommendation is you need to be energetic, enthusiastic, and you have to have energy. You could say just about everything wrong with enough energy, enthusiasm, um, and energy, energy, enthusiasm, and excitement. Excuse me, I keep saying energy twice. Uh, excitement. Um, you could say that enough, something wrong enough with that kind of of uh, uh, setup like that that people will just want to talk to you because you're engaging with them. You know, so you'll never ever see me give anybody a script. Because the problem is, is that the moment I give somebody a script, I'm going to give it to a dud and they're going to say, don't listen to that kid because he gave me a script and it didn't work. It ain't even about the script. Energy, excitement, and enthusiasm. That is what you need going into the call. That helps lower the guard and allows for you to start building rapport with people. And it's not that hard, man. Like, hey, this is Ramiz from over here at whatever. I'm calling you because you requested some information online about final expenses. Now I want to see what you qualify for. Are you in the state of Missouri still? That's it. I end with the question just so that they don't give me an objection. Are you still here or is, is your birthday this or whatever? Yes, it is. Great. Let me ask you a couple of questions to see what you qualify for. The more I know about you, the more money I can save you. Now, are you hospitalized, confined to a better wheelchair in a nursing home? Onto my qualification. Like it ain't that hard, but my voice, my tempo, my cadence, all that stuff needs to be on point so that they feel like they want to invest some time with me. And I think that people need to realize, again, with every piece of advice we give, it doesn't somehow trump earlier statements we made, such as it's a numbers game. So you can't make 10 phone calls, get five people on the line who don't like, even though you're extra enthusiastic and jumpy and, you know, excited, you know, and they still don't want to talk to you. Like you can't say what Ramiz says doesn't work. It's a numbers game. Call a hundred people. And then tell me it doesn't work with a few because at the end of the day, it's not going to work with everyone. It will work with a few, but you, you, that's the few that you want to work on selling. Right. So, so you do, you, oh, what are you going to say? Can I make, oh, and I don't want to push, I don't want to push back with you because I love you, but no, no, go ahead. You go ahead. Push back. I'm, I'm humble. All right. Because people say it's a numbers game. Here's the problem. Some people suck and their numbers suck. And then we just tell them, well, it's a number or they just tell themselves, well, Eric told me it's a numbers game. Well, let me, here's the difference. Okay. 
if, if me and Eric had the same phone book, I started at the front and he started at the back and we both called, okay? If Eric says, hey, this is Eric Fierro. I'm calling to sell you life insurance today. His number is going to be way worse than me that says, hi, this is Ramiz Hakeem. I'm calling you about your online inquiry about final expense. Like, like, yes, it is a numbers game, but that does not negate the fact that you can still suck and have bad numbers. So the point is follow a, a mentor that's going to train you correctly, do it right, let the numbers work themselves out. I just want to make that one point because I hear people say that sometimes, and I'm just and I just want to make sure that those that people that suck, I want you to know it ain't a numbers game. It's you just suck and you need to do better with them. <laughs> so okay, that and, and it, it, very much a valid point. And and you know, um, yes, that's that's a hundred percent true that some people they're just yeah, it, it's gonna be tough. I have a harder time saying stuff like that. I don't know why, but I do have a harder time just being direct and saying, like, some people just suck. <laughs> I don't know. I, I'll tell you, what, you, you don't hire no sucky people. When you hire enough sucky people, you just learn, like, dude, listen, bro, you just suck. Okay? Let's go find a janitor job for you or something, which is not a bad job. You know, it's just not sales. It ain't for you, bro. Like, let's get your stuff together and put it in a box, and I'll help you carry it out, and I'll pat you on the butt on the way out. It's all it's all good, man. <laughs> you're right. You're right. So, um, and, and again, it, there's, there's one of the things that I love about you, and – in fact, you know, there's, I, I always, I've learned a lot just from our interactions together um, by, even though we do similar things, there's still a lot that you've done better because obviously the scale of your organization says that you've done it better. If you have 200 agents selling on the phone, you know, and I have 16, 15, 16 agents, there's a difference there. And so there's something that I feel I could probably do to better it. And so, um, you know, never feel bad about pushing back against me. Cause I, like I said, I've always told people I'm constantly learning and, uh, and that's why I love talking to you so much because you have a lot of great knowledge that you're willing to share. And that's been a big help for not only myself, but for so many other people. Well, Eric, uh, you, you could do something wrong long enough and still get to my level. Okay. So I wouldn't discredit anything that you're saying, dude. Uh, I just been doing it for much longer. And uh, that's the only difference between us. All right. So uh, just, you know, I want to make sure that's very clear. Um, all right. So let's see. Let's uh, I'm trying to see if there's another question here. Uh, Veronica said that was a great answer that you gave about the um, the accents, I think. So that's awesome. And then how do you start the conversation of cold calling with which basically with just cold calling? Oh, I wouldn't. <laughs> that's, that's it <laughs> i mean you're gonna trade you're trading time for money okay this is why i tell everybody cheap leads like cold calling uh it's light on the wallet but heavy on your time i want something that's heavy on my wallet and light on my time i want to talk to people and maximize my strength if i was going to cold call which would be the literal definition of hell for me i would um, hire somebody and pay them a bunch of money because God bless that person for shoveling poop all day and have them do my cold calling so that I only spend my time talking to interested buyers. I'm not a door knocker. I'm not a prospector. I am a freaking salesperson. And if you don't want to talk to me, I am not going to invest my time trying to resurrect life in something that's not there. So if I were to cold call and I just got the shivers by saying that, 
I would hire someone else to do that for me. And like, I would probably, and I started that way. Like, that's why I can say that. Uh, I would start like master it. And then as fast as possible, find some person that is just, that loves getting beat up all day and pay them well so that you don't lose them because you don't want to pay them low. And then then find another cold, like a, a good cold caller is worth some money. Cause there ain't a lot of good, good of those around anymore. So, but, but to add on to that, because here's, here's the thing that a lot of people they've, they've been, marketed to and i want you to tell them at least your thoughts on this and your experience okay um they're hearing you say hire somebody a lot of them are going to go and hire a filipino telemarketer they could pay three bucks an hour what are your thoughts <laughs> you're gonna get three bucks an hour lead quality <laughs> <laughs> you know what i'm saying oh lord it's like those leads i'm gonna make fun of a bunch of people right now it's like those leads that they say well we ask them for their favorite color at the end. Like whoever called and said, I'm, I'm looking for Mary whose favorite color is pink. Is she home today? Like that's how dumb this cold calling crap is. Okay. And I'm sorry if you sell those leads, Eric, but that's just my feeling. Uh, <laughs> but but the, the point is, the point is like the cheap leads are the most expensive. You have got to invest in your business. That's, that's where you make money is by betting on yourself and saying, I can close at this ratio, given this many opportunities, I can make this much money. The moment you start compromising and doing cutting corners, it's like, dude, it's not a business anymore. Like you, you, you become a slave to your business because it's broken down. You got to put, you got to keep fixing stuff. I just don't believe in that. I believe in investing in myself, investing in my business, and then when I build a process and a system, that entity serves me. I do not serve my business. But if you if you keep cutting corners, you're always duct taping stuff. And now you have to keep going back and serving your business. I wouldn't do it, man. Yeah, so it's probably a better idea to pay 15 bucks an hour to hire an American that's willing to get beat up on the phone cold calling if you're going to do that. Yes, good gracious. And look at that. You're employing people in your community. Now you've become a leader in the community. And then in turn... People look for you as the insurance professional. You start getting referrals. They start wanting to do business with you because you're investing in the community. Don't be the dude that's hiring Filipinos overseas and good gracious. And the only lead you get are the ones that can't hear or have Alzheimer's. Those are the only people that would ever spend that much time with someone with that thick of an accent. Um, and then you got to convince them that their favorite color is green or blue or whatever. It's like, dude, it's so weird. Don't be that person. So then, and, and I think that and you were alluding to this earlier, but it's something that we've done and I'm assuming, I, I, yeah, you guys probably do it too, that we'll still, we'll still advertise on social media platforms like Facebook and YouTube and all that, but we'll actually have a fronter who calls ahead of time, calls on those leads, and those leads that they find of interested people, they forward to an agent, right? Is uh, that kind of what you were alluding to earlier, that there's something similar to what you do? Yeah, my definition of interest may be different than yours, but yes, I have a fronter my sale, listen, a salesperson's job is to do one thing. By definition, make a sale. You are a sales man or woman. Sales man, period. If you do anything outside of that, you're not a salesman. You're a clerical person. You're a customer service rep. You're a collections agent. Like, stay in your lane is my opinion. And so if you have leads, it is best that you get a prospecting person out there getting the people qualified because if they're a lead, they should be interested getting them qualified, and then getting them to the salesperson. When you go to the doctor, can you imagine if you went to a doctor's office, Eric, and when you showed up to the doctor's office, he was the guy that checked you in too? 
And then he was the guy that took your credit card and did your billing and typed it in there and said, all right, now come on back here with me. Let's go ahead and check you out. It wouldn't sound right, feel right, or look right. This yeah. is thing in sales. Why is the sales guy knocking on my door and then doing the presentation and then delivering the product and then asking me for referrals? And it, it just that's the way it's always been done. I get that. But that's why most people in sales fail because they're not making sales. They're doing everything else you could pay someone to do so you can generate new revenue for your business. And that, again, you know, also brings me to another point that just, again, I want to get your feeling on this because I love your opinions. They make me laugh. Whether we agree or not, uh, it's still fun. And so far, not to say that I haven't agreed with you, um, but, but again, I'll, I'll, I, just, I want your opinion on this. There's a lot of, a lot of uh, marketing out there trying to tell cool. agents that they should be the ones who are actively marketing and generating their own leads and making the sales and like you said doing everything right what are your thoughts on that i mean do you think agents should be the one who should actively learn how to market on the different social media platforms and all that stuff to start generating their own leads paid leads, paid advertising yeah i mean to me what's what is the end game all right if you should you start at first maybe and learn it and then train somebody to do it absolutely like i have no problem with that at all should you call your own leads and set your own appointments? Yeah, so you can train someone else to do that for you. Should you process apps and call the carriers and complain about them being slow? Yes, so you can train someone else to do that. But that is not a long-term solution. If you're getting in this business, be a business. Period. If not, you're going to be you're going to be self-employed every day, which means you wake up unemployed every day. So yeah, at first I, don't, I, I can extend some grace to that. Like, okay, you're working on a model. Just know these are the steps you need to get to. But if you've been in this business for five, six, seven years and you're still doing the same stuff you did day one, like, dude, good luck with that. It ain't, it ain't going to last very much longer. I mean, the moment that something happens to you, you become disabled or you get hurt or good God, if you pass away, like everything you've worked for is gone. You've done, you've accomplished nothing in business. Yeah. Yeah. And that's really, I think in, and you can speak to this more, you know, because I'm trying to, and I know a lot of people are trying to figure out what is the, what's the catch? What's the catch with your group, with your Facebook group and, and, uh, and, and what you're trying to do with it. And I think I've heard in, in the mix of all the messages that are going out there, cause there's a lot of, a lot of content that's being brought. That's awesome. Is that you want people to learn how to become businesses so that they can employ other people, just like you're saying, and that they can end up being in a position to help their communities, right? That's kind of, is that your end goal there? Or at least one of them? Well, I have a slight vendetta, to be honest with you. I, I had many, many, many people look me in the eye and make fun of me, tell me I was a loser, tell me I was ripping off people, telling me that what I did would never work. I'm talking multi-million dollar insurance companies look me straight in the eye and say no. And I carried that for many, many years, many years. I see the same people now hovering over to telescopes real quick. And to me, it ain't even about the money anymore, man. Like it ain't about the money. It's like, to me, at least let's help these people make some money, like help them make money because you, not you, but those insurance companies, in my opinion, have become a necessary evil in the industry. And now they're the ones that they're the ones that are leading, like they're the loudest voices many times 
that are telling us what's required of us. Well, I'm trying to start a mission that says, no, 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 no. As agents, as agents, we're, we're going to tell you what we need. Like, we're going to tell you what we need. And now, I feel like I'm in a position that I can do that now because everyone has to do telesales. And if, as long as I can teach enough people, this is how you do it. Now, be successful. If I can do that, I can get an army of people that can now go up to the insurance companies and say, when I want to leave an agency because they screwed me over, you cannot tell me that I can't move my contract. Like if I get 10 or 15 or 20,000 agents and we go to carrier A and say, you stop holding my contracts for six months with these bozos or all of us stop writing business. That's going to change an industry, period. Or don't vector me for, for my, my premium and for some wacky fake lead debt that you put on me. If you don't do that, there's 15,000 of us that are going to come after you. Like, that's my game. I didn't have that when I first started. I got screwed over many, many, many times, and nobody had my back. Nobody. My family. That was it. They didn't even know. They weren't even licensed. <laughs> but I, I'm coming after those people, man. And it ain't about the money for me. It's about what's, do, what's right, what's doing it right. So that's, that's my vendetta. Yeah. But in that, in that whole thing, I do want to help people make money, employ people in their community, and, and, and rise up through this pandemic. It's, it's not that difficult. We can do it. It's easy. You just got to follow a proven model. And at the, on the other side of this, when we have all these success stories, I'm coming after the industry, man. Yeah. That, I mean, that's, that's, that's a powerful thing, you know, and that's a, a lofty goal. But I think if there's anyone who can achieve it, it's going to be you. I mean, you, you have a lot of not only experience, but you also have great leadership that, that's required to do what you want to do. And, and I think you'll achieve it. Thank Absolutely. So I think um, there's no more questions coming in now, but I really, and plus I've had you on here for a while. So I appreciate it so much, man. But this has been a great, great conversation. Like I said, that's what I always look forward to talking to you um, because I know it's going to be so much fun and I know you're going to bring some fire and you sure brought some fire. I think people, I, I've been watching the comments and people are commenting that they're laughing and hell so funny i mean they're loving what you're saying man and so i really appreciate the time and i really appreciate the friendship so um i just uh i hope that you guys at home are taking this information and not just sitting on it put it to work because at the end of the day no one's gonna get rich consuming information you know you only get rich when you put it into practice right and, and you're not gonna do it overnight you're gonna it's one of the what my mantra is always you know this is a get get rich steady business not a get rich quick business there you go thank you so, for me eric appreciate your time you've always been a good friend of mine man anything you need i know the feelings are mutual if i ever needed you you do the same for me so i appreciate everything you've done for me thank you absolutely all right guys well we're gonna check out we'll see you on the next video